back to Franklin Covey's weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller. That's me. I'm your host and interviewer each week. I'm also the author of the 10-volume, 10-year book series from HarperCollins called Master Mentors. Volume 1 and Volume 2 are out. Volume 3 coming in the fall where each year I publish a book that's in print audio, digital, and now video, video books from Lit Video, where I curate 30 of my favorite guests from that year's series of episodes, and with the guest permission, share one transformational insight from each of them, kind of like chicken soup for the leadership soul. We're now three volumes down and on our way to the fourth in the 10-volume series. Who knows, maybe today's guest might agree to be in volume five, because that's what I've just started to write. Her name is Amy Porterfield. You know her as perhaps the world's most renowned authority, gifted expert on business-to-business engagement, email databases, and communicating online, building online businesses, webcasts, podcasts. She is a maven of business expertise. If you own a small business, if you are in the business of communicating with your clients in any format digitally, then you know and follow Amy Porterfield. And she has a new book releasing today called Two Weeks Notice. Find the courage to quit your job. Amen. Make more money. Hallelujah. And work where you want and change the world. Big, bold promise from Amy Porterfield. Amy, welcome to On Leadership. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Amy, it's our honor. I followed your career for a decade plus. Um, you, of course, started your career not so dissimilar to my own in the personal development industry. I've spent now 27 years with the Franklin Covey Company. And although I started probably before, maybe you were in junior high school. I'm a little older than you are. You ha- we have similar trajectories. Very much looking forward to talking about two weeks notice today. For those last few people that may not be fully aware of your ex- Expertise. Will you rewind a decade and a half and talk a bit about your friend Tony and how you got started and where you are today? Yes, I always say I'm an ex-corporate girl turned accidental entrepreneur. I never really thought about going out on my own and being an entrepreneur. However, it just happened. And here's how it happened. I had been in the corporate world since the day I left college, and I was really good at being an employee. I loved getting that paycheck every other week, paid vacations, benefits. It worked for me. However, one day I found myself in my very last nine to five job, which was working for peak performance coach Tony Robbins. I was the director of content development. I got to work on the content that Tony did on stage at Unleash the Power Within and Date with Destiny. If you know Tony, you know those events. And so I had an amazing job. However, one day, Tony decided to bring in a bunch of online business owners. And I was called to the meeting to take notes. And so I came into this big office in the San Diego offices. And then we had this big oak table. And all of these online business owners sat around the table. They were all men and I was sat at a side table to take notes and Tony was doing like a focus group with them and he asked them tell me about your businesses tell me what you do how you do it he was just curious about what they were doing online and they went around one by one and talked about their businesses and all I heard was freedom they talked about working when they wanted where they wanted how they wanted they talked about the money they were generating but more important the impact they were making and they were from so many different industries real estate investing relationship building they had courses and masterminds and memberships 
I didn't know really anything about that world, but I knew for the first time in my life, I wanted more freedom. So from that moment on, I decided I'm gonna figure out how to be my own boss. And a year later, I did. I went out on my own and it's been 14 years since I built my business. I've helped over 50,000 students, generated over $85 million in my business, and I'm all about helping people build businesses online. And even more so now with your book, Two Weeks Notice, because in many ways, this book is, it's a, it's a guide to how to live the life you want to live professionally and therefore also personally. In fact, yes. your book is, is kind of oriented to women, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, but it's ubiquitous regardless of your gender because I found so many great insights as a guy who is an entrepreneur also, and I own or co-own several businesses. In fact, I mentioned to you off air, my wife, Stephanie, who is um, the mother to our three boys that are eight, 10, and 12. Don't do that. Don't have three boys in five years. <laughs> that was crushing. But everyone who knows my wife knows her to be very glamorous and very smart and educated. And she also is on her seventh load of laundry today and wants more meaning in her life than just the laundry. Although we had some help, so it isn't a huge, constant burden. And she has this idea of developing this online business. I'll let her share that more publicly to her 40 Instagram followers. She's just starting because that's not, not her bag. My point yeah. is, she was having a, a sort of a crisis of confidence this morning, literally this morning, talking about, well, hasn't that business already been done? And what do I have that's special? And you like spoke to her, like you spoke to her soul. Now, I, you spoke through me, but I was reading passages out of her, your book to her that were wow. so piercingly insightful that every solopreneur goes through. Let's stop there for a moment. On someone's way to giving their two weeks notice, which we'll talk about in a few moments, what are some of the common mindsets that wannabe entrepreneurs find themselves with and how do you address them? We'll get back to the part on how do you graciously move from the corporate world to your own world, but validate the common challenges people have and then remind us why they shouldn't listen to that. Yes, so I've had them all. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough education or experience yet. Who am I to be doing this? I'm not an entrepreneur. Or the one that comes up a lot, what will people think? So when I first went out on my own, I made all these videos to post on YouTube about online marketing, which is what I was gonna teach when I went out on my own. And my husband came into the office, my home office and said, where are these videos you're creating? You know, now that you've gone out on your own, where are you posting these videos? And I said, I'm not posting them anywhere. And he asked me why, and I had to be honest. I said, I'm so nervous what my old coworkers are gonna think when they see me putting myself out there. And I was really nervous what Tony Robbins was going to think when he saw me putting videos out there teaching people what I wanted to teach them. And my sweet husband said, hey babe, I love you so much, but I need to give you some tough love. Tony Robbins is not watching and your old coworkers don't care. Everyone's worried about their own thing, doing their own, own business or doing whatever they are and they're doing in their life. What we worry about is that people are watching and thinking about us where it's not really the case. And I have this motto, if they're not paying the bills, they do not get an opinion. Amen. So, right? So all these feelings you're gonna feel, all the fears, all the insecurities, I'm not enough, I call it all the I'm not enoughness comes up. That is very normal. But we also cannot worry about what other people are thinking and we cannot think that we have, it, have to have it all together before we go out on our own. 
action creates clarity. So we're gonna do it scared. We're gonna get uncomfortable and do it anyway because our future depends on it. The life and the business we truly want depends on it. So you do it scared, you do it anyway. Amy Porterfield, this book is a gift to anyone who wants to create the life that they've dreamed of and they see other people living but can't figure out how. I think your line in the book that took my breath away was allowing your why to become bigger than your worries. It's, yes. it's, it's so simple but so piercing. My wife, Stephanie, is like the perfect candidate for this book. But the book really is for anyone who's thinking about maybe jettisoning their corporate nine to five or maybe opening up a side hustle because they're, they're passionate about their job. They may love their job and the benefits and the stability and the growth, but they also want something more. Talk about some of the insights people need to be aware of as they're thinking of leaving their job, how to exit properly, how much time, how much notice. Your notice may not be the same notice your employer decides to give you. Walk us through some of those heads up. Yeah, so one of the most important pieces of the puzzle here is to create a runway. If you're still in a nine to five job and you wanna go out on your own and build your full-time business, you have to look at the runway. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to choose an exit date because without a date, it is not real. And so you're gonna choose an exit date. It might be three months, six months, nine months, or a year from now. Anything longer than a year and you're giving into your fears and you'll likely never do it. So choose your exit date, you put it on a post-it note, you put it on a mirror, where you see it every day when you're getting ready and you ask yourself, what can I do today to move me closer to that date? Because you're going to stay committed to that date. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to get very crystal clear on your why. Why do you want to start your own business? Or why do you want to have a side hustle that maybe turns into your own business? If you're not clear on your why, exactly what you said, on the days that your worries knock you down, you need that why to pick you back up. Mine was, I didn't want to be told what to do, when to do it, or how to do it. I don't want to be on someone else's time or someone else's dime ever again. So I had to figure out a way to do that. So get clear on your why. The third thing is you've got to get clear on your finances. Look at your finances and ask yourself, what do I absolutely need to make every single month in order to get by? And if you want a few months as just a little, a little nest egg to get you by in the first few months of going out on your own, start saving now. One of my students said, I didn't choose an exit date, I choose a dollar amount. The minute I made this amount of money in order to have a little extra when I went out on my own, I quit my job. So decide what that's going to be for you, but you've got to get clear on your finances and hopefully you decide I'm going to pull back a little bit, sacrifice a little bit so that I don't need to make as much. So I give myself a little grace, a little room to make the mistakes that we all make when we go out on our own. And the final thing is I want you to start a side hustle. If you're still in your nine to five job, starting something on the side that you work on in the mornings and the nights on the weekends, just to bring a little extra money in, but more importantly, start to kind of figure out what you might want to do, get a starter idea going, start it with a side hustle. That will give you a little extra courage to go out on your own when you're ready to do so. Amy, I kind of want to have a quote off the record conversation on the record. Yes, if someone is someone is listening to us right now, if they're watching you on camera, you would be an intimidating force, right? You're extremely well put together. You're remarkably articulate. You have a very clear idea. For some people, you might seem unrelatable or untouchable. 
However, the fact of the matter is you refer to yourself as a recovering people pleaser. Oh, and yeah. you actually wrote some things that were quite tender and they really spoke to me in your book. So indulge me for a moment. I want to read two passages from the book and I want you to use those to build a bridge of relatability to the millions of people who are watching and listening thinking, yeah, well, she could do that. I could never. Mm -hmm. So hold on a second. Okay. You write a passage where you talk about your dad and your, and your desire to impress your dad and to keep your dad kind of in your boat. You wrote, over time, I moved from wanting to impress my dad to wanting to impress my employers. I worked late into the night, took on extra projects, and traveled at a moment's notice. I was addicted to people thinking I was on the way up. I lived for raises, awards, and accolades. The word boundaries was not even in my vocabulary. I felt any no, I felt any no would be a sign of weakness, which would inevitably result in my replacement. I'm going to continue reading. You need it now? Of course. You want me to do it over? Even though it took me months to perfect, you got it. You want me to fully sacrifice my personal life and live only for work? I'm your girl. You further wrote, although I hate to admit it, I was desperately seeking validation from my bosses because I did not value, sorry, I'm kind of getting emotional reading this, but I did not value or love myself. In fact, then you wrote further. In fact, if you'd asked me back then about my inherent value as a person, I would have looked at you funny. People have value for just being themselves. I would have thought maybe other people, but not me. My value comes from how hard I work. Did I mention I just got promoted? <laughs> yes. Let, let's talk about this. The girl you see here today is 14 years in the making. And I can tell you still to this day, I deal with imposter syndrome and the doubts that come up and the fear of getting on video. I might look like I have it all together here, but just a few years ago, my team would have to beg me to get on video. I was self-conscious about how I sounded, how I looked, all of that. The reason I could write a book and really hone in on speaking directly to who this book was for is because I wrote this book for the girl that I was all those years ago. And so I just want to say that you can't compare the beginnings, your beginnings, to somebody who's been in the game for a really long time. And just know that no matter what they look like or sound like online, we all have those insecurities. Here's how I'm different today than I was 14 years ago. Today I feel insecure and I ask myself, okay, what's coming up for me? And then I'm able to flip the switch and say, what's a new thought that I could think that's gonna serve me now? I didn't have those tools back then. Today, when I feel imposter syndrome, I look at my track record and remember how far I've come. In the early years, I didn't have a track record, so I struggled more. So I've gone through every single struggle any new entrepreneur would go through. And I also was really scared to come out from behind the computer. I work for Tony Robbins. He's larger than life. He's the real deal. And so for me to be on video or start teaching, I would think, who am I to be doing that? But then I remembered what I wanted more than anything, and it was freedom. So I was willing to get uncomfortable. I was willing to get on video when I was terrible on video. I was willing to talk about things that I wasn't totally confident to talk about yet because I wanted it bad enough. So the question is, how bad do you want it? Is your why bigger than your worry? Amy, we've been privileged to interview nearly 
all of the big thought leaders on this podcast since we, our inception. And one of my favorite guests was a friend of ours, Rachel Hollis, where she taught me this concept of most people aren't afraid of failure. They're afraid of other people watching them fail. Ooh, she's and what's, good. It, what's interesting is maybe I'm just a narcissist or a sociopath, but I'm okay having you watch me fail because I know it is the path to success. It isn't just some cliche on a social meme. You have to fail your way to success. In fact, all these people behind me, they've been on this podcast, what they all have in common is two things. Well, they really have three things. They have an abundance mentality. They're, they're very comfortable sharing their insights and failures with others. Second, they have an insane work ethic. They often just outwork everybody else. And third, they have so many more failures than the best-selling book they, you see or the TV program or the movie spot or whatever it is. Talk about this idea that you kind of got to fail your way forward and then link it to this notion you write about that there's really no original ideas. You just kind of, your twist, it's your expertise on most ideas have kind of already been invented. Yes, there's new things, but generally your business is going to be just your twist. Yes. So when people are starting to think about an idea for a business or a side hustle, the first thing that comes up is, but Amy, it's already been done before. I see so-and-so doing it in the world and they're doing it in a great way. So there's no room for me. I remind them that there are almost 8 billion people in this world and you need a tiny sliver of the internet to pay attention in order for you to make an amazing living online. So as long as you do it your way and you stay authentic, the audience that needs you will find you. So I think if someone's already doing it with success, that is a great validator, 100%. And, you know, uh, what, remind me the question you asked. Well, right I was talking that. about the fact that failing is part of success. Is yes. You two have not always been the world's most influential expert on, on email marketing or on databases. Right. You, I'm sure, made a lot of mistakes around the way. In Sorry for my two-part question there. <clears throat> no, I, I'm so glad uh, you asked it because I love talking about this. Well, I don't love talking about this, but it's important. In the book, I wrote a chapter that I did not want to write about. And it was a chapter about how I brought on a partner into my business after I was three years in and almost had hit a million dollars in my business. I felt like I couldn't do it alone. And so I was scared that I was going to lose this success. So I brought in a partner. And for a few years, it went really, really well and then it didn't. And I had to get out of the partnership, but almost lost my business. It was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. It was 100% my fault, and it was all from fear. But if that didn't happen, I'll give you the punchline. I went from $5 million to $16.5 million in a year after that partnership ended because I finally figured out, oh, these mistakes I'm making that I continue to make, I finally figured out how to overcome them. If I didn't get into that partnership and if I didn't mess that up, I would never have had the business I have today. You have to make the mistakes to get to where you want to get to. There's no way around it. My book is good and it is your guidebook step-by-step step to build the foundation of an online business, but I can't guarantee that you're still not gonna make the mistakes because they're part of the journey Journey. Welcome to entrepreneurship. Amy, let's get practical. Let's talk about Tiger Time. Yes. So Tiger Time is this concept that you find the time to do what means the most to you. So when I start talking to people about quitting their nine to five job and starting a side hustle or a full-time business, they'll say, but Amy, where am I ever gonna find the time? Like your wife, how will I find the time? I've got three young boys at home and a husband to take care of. How am I ever gonna find the time to do this? 
Well, number one, you got to get uncomfortable. You've got to find the pockets of time that will allow you to do this, even though it's not convenient. And tiger time is an hour or two time slot throughout the week that is yours. You are intentional with that time. You're building your business and no one can penetrate it. You're like a tiger with their cubs. You can't even get near it. So you become very protective of your time, but also very intentional. And if you could spend just a few hours a week working on your side hustle, working on your plan to leave your nine to five job, you will absolutely get there. Talk about the importance of protecting your workspace. Yes. So when you go and work for yourself, you're going to find yourself probably at the kitchen table, uh, typing away with everyone else around you. And it's very distracting learning to work from home, but also learning to be your own boss. I have this concept in the book called unbossing, which is believing that you can lead yourself and you don't need anyone else to lead you. Part of unbossing is being able to protect your workspace, finding the space that's going to serve you, but also making the time to actually get the work done. And that includes communicating with those around you that this is your time. You need these next two to three hours to do what you're going to do, and you've got to stay committed. But also learning to work remotely, I think it's not as new as it was two or three years ago because of COVID, but learning to work on your own uh, in a space that is likely from home where you're not distracted with everything else going on, it's an art and it takes a little time. Amy, I hope you are ready because your book is going to explode because I think in this new creator economy, post-pandemic where people are really thinking about, is this how I want to spend my life? Do I want to spend my life working for this culture or for a better culture? Or I love my job and I also want some more meaning. My, my avocation isn't my vocation. I'd like to revisit for a moment this concept about working for validation. I mean, I'm 55 years old, like you, had a great career, was an officer at Franklin Covey for a decade, like you and I'm an entrepreneur. And it really spoke to me. Like I read it a couple of times and then put it down. And I came back to that passage and read about it because I think, I'm not ashamed to say, I think I spent most of my career also working for validation. I wanted my CEO to think I was indispensable. I liked saving the day. I had no boundaries. I thought if I said no, it would impact my, and I, I think it actually prevented me from having the courage to leave sooner. Now, I actually retired from Franklin Covey almost three years ago. Great terms. I'm still an ambassador for them. Here I am on their set, and it worked, it's worked out very well. I don't burn bridges, one of the concepts in your, in yeah. your book. Revisit this concept, because there are millions of people right now thinking, oh my gosh, I work for validation. How do I unwind that? What other insights would you give us on that? Yeah, so first of all, just really recognizing the fact that you could be working for validation. When you literally have no boundaries and you say yes to whatever you can say yes to just so you can climb that corporate ladder or get the uh, promotions or the awards or whatever it might be, you first have to be really honest with yourself. Am I working for external validation. Here's the thing, when you become an entrepreneur, I believe that so much of that journey is personal development learning who you are, what you're about, and learning how to find that internal validation where just because you're proud of yourself, that's all you need. And because when we become entrepreneurs, those first few years, we're pretty much solopreneurs. We're not getting a lot of external validation. And you know, if you're looking for likes and followers, that's gonna be slow to come. So you're not gonna get a lot of that in the beginning either. You're gonna learn how to validate yourself. 
So if you're looking to become a better person, a better leader, a stronger individual, become an entrepreneur because it's the biggest personal growth experience you could ever have. Amy, I think I saw you on Lewis Howe's podcast recently. We interviewed him about a week ago. It was someone's podcast I saw you on. And I actually replayed it twice because it was so profound. Uh, in anticipation of your new book, Two Weeks Notice, I, I, I know you, like I've said before, as if not the leading, one of the world's leading experts on building databases and email marketing and communicating with your, your clients. And you talked about how important it is to have that database as a complement to your social media. Yes. Because, you know, you can be cut off in social media in a matter of weeks or hijacked or, or ghost, all kinds of things. Rewind a little bit to some of your other passions. And what do you want people to remember about the efficacy and the relevancy of building databases and emailing their clients in the, in the, in the world of obsession with TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn? Yes, I think you probably saw it on the Ed Milet show because we That's talked what, Ed about Milet. this a Thank lot. you. Thank yep. you. Yep, and it was such a great conversation because what I said there was that you never ever want to build your business on rented land. Social media is rented land, and what I mean by that is you don't own it. Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk can change that algorithm, and boom, mm. everything you've been doing, everything you've known to work, will not work anymore. We've seen it done over and over again. Facebook did this years ago, where all of a sudden it really became a pay to play kind of strategy where all of us were like, wait, what's going on? The day last year, social media, Facebook and Instagram went down completely black. Like we could not use the channels. That day I happened to send an email about a course I've had for years and years, reminding my uh, subscribers that I had it. And I made thousands of dollars on the day that social media went down. It's because I own my email list. Your email list is the most important asset in your business. I don't care whatever you do, if you're doing business online, it's that email list. And it's that one thing that you control more than anything else, especially social. So I love social media to bring in your audience, but you've got to move them to the next level, which is giving you their name and email in exchange for value. And so the more you focus on your email list, the more money you will make in your business. I have no doubt about that. And I talk about all about how to get an email list up and running in my book. So I don't want to give away all the content of your book. We've touched on like 1%. <laughs> Definitely go buy the book two weeks notice. Let's talk about finally a concept. You call it the post-it note party, I think. And at first blush, it might seem like a little old school, but it's so relevant. Talk about the value of the post-it note party. Yeah, so you, I do post-it notes for a lot of different things. I, I'm an office uh, supply kind of girl, but when you are looking for new ideas, especially an idea for, let's say, a side hustle or for a full-time business, I take you through something called the sweet spot in the book. And the sweet spot formula, I won't go into all of detail because it's kind of detailed uh, specifically step-by-step yeah. -step in the book, but this process allows you to come up with the idea to get you going. But if you use the post-it note party to do so, you're standing up, you're getting energy in your body, you're writing down the ideas, I ask you a bunch of questions, you're writing your answers, putting them all over the wall, moving them around, taking things that don't apply, adding things that do. And at the end, one of the post-it parties I walk you through in the book is to come up with your starter idea for a side hustle or your big idea for your business. But it's this process of actually getting up, getting out from the computer and getting that energy going to get those ideas flowing. Amy, do you find that organizations, Fortune 5000s, Inc. 5000s, are they becoming more or less 
accommodating, tolerant, empowering to their full-time employees having side hustles. It seems like pre-pandemic, Yes. everything in my life is either pre or post-marriage, pre or post-Trump, or pre or post-pandemic. So are you finding that employers are, are more suspect or more encouraging of people building side hustles? I would think probably more encouraging because you want people to be happy and you want them to find joy and a side hustle might just be a side hustle, and it might also turn into more, or it might not. Any sense on how employers are dealing with employees pursuing their passions, which might end up in their exit? I think that we're seeing more and more opportunity for that. You're right. After COVID, because people's um, ambitions have changed, their focus has changed. In order for these employers to keep their employees happy, they have to allow them to pursue things outside of the nine to five. So what we've seen is that employers are open to it. They encourage it. They allow it. So if you're thinking, wait, I can't do that. My employer's not going to let me. That might be a limiting belief. I want you to dig into that just a little bit more. And the easiest side hustle to create is one that's not in direct um, competition Clearly. with the work you do in your right. job. Right. That's the easiest way to get started. Yeah. In fact, I'd say as a caveat, you shouldn't be creating a side hustle if in any way it takes intellectual property or the Absolutely. time or attention and you should be in full disclosure to your company up front uh, yes. as just a caveat. Okay. Last question. I want you to speak to all people right now that have this goal. They have this dream. They have an idea but they've got something that's stopping them from starting. Now your book, Two Weeks Hustle, Two Weeks Notice, I like that name, Two Weeks Hustle, Two Weeks <laughs> Notice, uh, it's a great kind of step-by-step -step strategy. What's the one thing everyone who needs a little bit of a push off the diving board needs to do today to build their confidence after listening to you on this podcast? Get clear on the lifestyle that you want. Never build a business before you know how you want to live, how you want to show up. Do you want to pick up your kids at three o'clock? Do you want to make sure you have your weekends off? Do you want to take more vacations than you take now? Get clear on the lifestyle that you want to create and then build a side hustle or business around that. That way you're creating a life and a business by your own design, not just a business that you hustle your life away and wonder why you don't get to enjoy it. Get clear on the life you want and build a business around that. Amy Porterfield, your book is out today. It's called Two Weeks Notice, Find the Courage to Quit Your Job, Make More Money, Work Where You Want, and Change the World. How generous you have, I think, close to 100 interviews you're doing around the world as part of your book launch. I appreciate you picking Franklin Covey's On Leadership podcast as one of them. Best of success to you. Thank you so very much. This has been such a delight. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. <music>